Hey everybody, my name is Courtney Williams and I am a survivor of sickle cell anemia. I've been living with this disease for 39 years. And for more information about the disease, you can follow me on my YouTube channel. It is me, Court Williams, or you could just look me up at Courtney Williams, C-O-U-R-T-N-I-E Williams. My Instagram is also Court N-I-E-C-O-U-R-T. So my name backwards and you are now listening to Rebuke. everyone this is marcus and you're now listening to rebuke uh today is rebuke's 50th episode 550 and we have something special to, uh for you all um thank you all for continuously supporting the podcast and continue to support the podcast by sharing it on your social media twitter uh instagram and, and facebook and tiktok and many more also you could be a uh, you can subscribe and become a, a monthly subscriber uh just click the the donate uh uh app on your 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 apple or spotify or or google app when you listen to your uh your your podcast or you can just donate to my cash app which is dollar sign r dollar sign r e b u k e e zero six the funds is to be donated to kids they're attending h b c u s so hopefully we'll, we'll be able to de- uh develop and donate college funds for those for those young men and women um, you can also check some of my interviews on YouTube by typing the word rebuke is as well. If you don't like listening, you can watch them as well. Now, this month is sickle cell month and we are all aware, or some of y'all are aware that thousands of African Americans, uh, pe- Americans, people of color, or whatever you prescribe to, you know, this, this, gener- this day, a lot of people don't want to be called African Americans, people of color, whatever, whatever you prescribe to black, whatever suffer from this disease and uh i really didn't know about this disease i'm be honest with you until i had i I found out that i don't know they consider her r&b i'm gonna consider her r&b um i had a crush on her t-boss had of tlc let everybody know she had the sickle cell disease and i found that out around maybe 95 96 but in today's in, in 2021, a lot of people don't talk about sickle cell no more. But I have a special guest that I've known for many years and recently found out she's she has the disease and she's been coping with it. And she's going to tell us, uh, answer some questions and tell us how to uh, what the day day struggles it is for African-American to have the disease and what we can do as a black community to best uh, support those individuals uh, with the disease going forward. And I'd like to thank Courtney, uh, Courtney Williams to coming on the rebuke show today. Thank you, Courtney. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Yeah. And congratulations been... on your 50th episode. Thank you. 
Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we've been talking about this for months now. And then I was like, yeah. I reached to your husband. I said, yo, your, your wife still want to do this? He's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, I was excited. I wanted to do it. Okay, great, great. Now, can you explain to everyone what is sickle cell uh, anemia and what is the root cause? What really causes the, the disease that, 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 that you currently have? Okay, so there are four types of sickle cell anemia. I have um, sickle cell SS, which is the most severe out of the four, which basically it's a hereditary blood disease where your red blood cells, everybody uh, normal, I hate using the word normal, but a healthier person, like your blood, would be shaped like this, but your red blood. But a person with sickle cell anemia, their blood is shaped like a sickle, you know, like the sickles that they use in on farms and stuff like that. So, or half moon. So what happens is your half moon sickle cells, they're kind of dry and sticky and they clump in your joints, your organs. They um, affect literally every part of your body because your body is in order to function properly, your whole red blood cells need to be able to flow freely through the body with oxygen. So when your sickle cells are um, sticky and clumpy and getting stuck everywhere, that means there's oxygen blockage everywhere, which can deprive of your um, oxygen flow to the brain, to your lungs, um, to every important part of your of your body. That's why a lot of people sometimes they'll have strokes. You might have heard of young kids 13 having a stroke and it's because if they have sickle cell nine times out of ten it's because they were um, not getting enough oxygen to their brain because their cells have been getting stuck and they're not flowing the way they should Mm -hmm. so yeah thank you for the explanation now the next question is Mm -hmm. um, when did you realize that you was different you, you had, like hate using the word normal, but when you realize you was different from your family and uh, and when you start feeling the pain of this disease? Well, I don't even, I don't remember this, but my mom told me when I was like three. So in the 80s, they didn't test you in the early 80s. You were not tested when you're first born for this disease. Mm. So I was born in 1982. So in 1982, when I was born, they didn't test babies automatically for this. So a lot of times, Black people especially, and it also affects other people, like people of color, but majority it is a Black disease. So when you're born back in the early 80s, you really don't know until you start showing, you know, certain signs. So when I was like, I want to say three, my mom said, I used to complain about my legs hurting all the time, and I wanted to be carried all the time. I didn't like walking. But she thought, because, I mean, all three of us are spoiled, I have two, two sisters, she thought I just was being spoiled. So, but she said, eventually, she was like, well, no, let me just get her checked out, because it, I was starting to cry a lot. Like, so she took me to the doctor, and at that that year, whatever year that was, 80... Five? 85, 86, that's when they were testing for sickle cell for newborns. But they tested me and found out I had sickle cell anemia. Mm. But I don't remember as a child, the earliest um, the earliest year I remember I was in, I think, kindergarten, and I came down with spinal meningitis, and I almost died because they could not break the fever in the hospital. But of course, 
we were in, I think we were in Germany, but they didn't know what to do with me. I remember them putting me in a tub of ice. Wow. And that's a big no-no. If you have sickle cell anemia, you don't, cold, cold, anything cold is a no-no because cold stops or reduces flow of oxygen. So you don't put any, anybody with sickle cell, I don't, my doctor doesn't even like me to drink ice in my drinks like he like if you can avoid it avoid anything with ice in it which I mean I don't I'm not gonna lie I like I put ice in certain drinks but I remember that happening <clears throat> they didn't know what they were at their wits end they had already told my parents like hey there's nothing else we can do for her basically because her fever's not breaking but I don't even remember being in pain I just remember being in shock like why am I in this I was in a tub of cold ice and I remember um a nurse coming in and saying get her out of here get her she can't be in the tub and they took me out and that's it but the older I got there were certain things that I noticed like but I didn't know it was abnormal I didn't know it was unusual I thought if you got in the pool I thought everybody would know (laughs) I didn't know that was I didn't know that was a that wasn't normal until I was probably 15 Mm. and anytime I get in any type of water that's not warm I go numb, like tingly all over. It could be a hundred degrees outside, and if I step into an ocean, or or step into an ocean, or get into a pool, and that water, it doesn't matter how warm it is. My, I mean, it has to be. If it's a little bit warm, I won't go numb or tingly. But I didn't know that was unusual. Um, but I noticed little things like I, it took me. We went to Monrovia together. Did you go to Monrovia? Yes, I did. Okay, I remember, okay. You remember doing the mile run? Yes. I was always last. <laughs> okay. And I didn't know that was, I just thought, okay, I just can't keep up with other people because I have no oxygen. So wow. you're used to functioning, your blood type, I think for uh, the average man is 12 to 14. Your red blood count is between 12 to 14. I function on a seven. Mm. So for you, if your blood dropped down to a 10, you would probably think you were dying. But for me, because I've been functioning this way my whole life, I don't know the difference. So I've gotten as low as a five and not even knowing like that's when you are, your organs are shutting down. But when you're used to functioning that way, you really don't know that that's not good. So I would say I started noticing that I was different probably in probably in high school because there were certain things like I wasn't allowed to do and even in middle school and elementary school my parents which none of us really could spend a night at a lot of people's houses but like they were just very careful about um let me stay the night over you know other people's houses or I remember when some schools did lock-ins and stuff my sister was able to go to the lock-ins but I can never go and I don't I mean they just were made sure they were they just were a little bit more cautious with me I think um, but I really didn't know the difference. They never said, oh, it's because of this. They just were like, no, just stay here, you know. But I would say when, by the time I got to high school, I could physically, I could tell, like, okay. Even though I would be in the hospital a lot anyways, but I just thought, okay, hey, we got pneumonia again. Like, I would get pneumonia all the time. But I didn't know that was unusual. So I would say probably high school is when I realized, like, oh, okay, yeah, that is something. Okay. Well, different. All right. Um, I'm gonna go. Let's see here. Now you 
you said you couldn't do the mile run. What other things you missed out in your childhood uh, due to, to sickle cell? Because um, you, you're not allowed to participate in sports. I mean, because we know um, there was a football player. I think his name was Ryan Clark. He played for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And he played football, but he couldn't go. But every time the team played in Denver, he couldn't play. Oh, so what yeah. uh, due to your disease have, has it prevented you to do, doing certain things that you you thought you you would like doing honestly i've never i'm not a sports person anyway so i never i, I try I, I mean i didn't try out but i tried my parents put me in um like softball but i went to one practice and the ball hit my shin and i quit on the spot so i've never really been interested in sports but i was always aware of, it became a point when I knew like, okay, yeah, you're not gonna, you're not gonna do that. I had like doctor's excuses for certain things. Um, Cause you know, back in the day, you couldn't just get up and go to the bathroom or, you know, in class, or you couldn't bring water to school or you had to ask permission. Um, if you miss more than 10 days, you, um, I forgot what the, what would happen, but if you, you couldn't miss 10 days of school a year. Well, I always had an excuse on file at every school. We were military, so I went to a bunch of schools. But at every school we attended to or attended, um, I always had a, a doctor's excuse on file. Like Courtney um, has sickle cell anemia. There may be times where she will miss more than 10 days. Um, and it, and at sometimes the doctor's, ex, doctor's excuse is not needed. And you might just need to rest. And that's a big part of the disease. And I guess we can talk about that later, but is taking care of your body, resting, and not doing too much. Don't overexert yourself, taking it easy. Um, if you start feeling a certain, you know, feeling pain or have something going on, just pay attention to that and just kind of sit down somewhere. And so um, that would be the only thing that was different. I never really tried. I mean, I did, I tried, I, yeah, I did try for flag in my ninth grade, but I kind of quit mid-practice because I wasn't, I'm not athletic, okay? I really, <laughs> I have no, not one athletic bone in my body. So I never was really interested in that anyways, but I could just tell by just doing certain things. Like if my friends and I were walking around the mall or I remember my best friend and I, we went to the Grammys a few years ago, probably it's been over 10 years, but we were walking and we parked far. And I remember I literally thought I was dying. I was going to pass out because I was walking. It was just the walk that just almost took me out. I felt like, and I'm like, dang, but trying to keep up, you know what I mean? Instead of just saying, hey, can you drop me off at the front? You know, but I, back then I didn't want that to be a hindrance and say, well, hey, can you just, I have six or minutes. Can you make sure you drop me off at the front or can you do this? But now I'm more vocal about certain things. Yeah, my niece. I have a niece that has type one. She struggles admitting that she has it. Did you, have you ever yeah. in, in your life struggled admitting that you have sickle cell or it was like you were ashamed to having the disease? I wouldn't say I was ashamed or struggled. I just didn't want people to look at me different. I didn't want sympathy. I didn't want people to just like, oh, you, you know, I don't want people to feel sorry for me. So I didn't, I only shared, um, well, up until, you know, now I don't care. I, I'm very vocal about it, but when I was in high school and college, only my closest friends knew. I didn't, it wasn't, I didn't talk about it a lot because I didn't want people to, because even with my closest friends, sometimes they're like, oh, you know, 
I just don't want anybody feeling sorry for me. So I wasn't very vocal about it back then. Okay. But it wasn't I, shame. It was just because I don't want people feeling sorry for me. I got you. I got yeah. you. Um, now I'm gonna go this route. Now well, we had this conversation offline, but I want to say, everybody to hear this. With sickle cell being a predominantly black disease, is it hard to find doctors to try to, uh, you know, help with the symptoms and try to solve this problem you have? Oh, absolutely. Um, we we're already just just on the strength of being black. I feel like well, it's factual. The difference in care across the board is totally different. I mean, I read, I posted about this a couple months ago. Um, the percentage, I can't remember offhand, but the percentage if a black woman goes into the hospital and is in pain, she's least likely or less likely to be given pain medication just because, you know, a lot of times people don't look at a black woman or black people and think there's anything wrong with them. Like, oh, they're, you're fine. You know, back in the day, they didn't even think black people felt pain. So, um... All right. Um, next question is, with sickle cell anemia being a predominantly black disease, is it hard to find doctors to help you with your symptoms and try to give you uh, things to solve the problem, treat the problem? Um, yes, it's very hard. Um, being black in general is hard in this country to get the best medical care because, I mean, it's on record. There's it's facts that Black people, people of color, especially black people of color, we get treated different. We don't get treated, we don't get the same treatment in many places as our white counterparts. So adding a disease like this on top of it, it, it only makes it worse. I, I believe that this disease is, um, is you, it, obviously you can live with it, but people who live in rural communities, that's why they're dying. They don't have this, the access to care. Like for me, I'm blessed because I live in Huntsville, Alabama, but which sucks. I have to drive an hour and 20 minutes in Nashville to see a doctor every month because there's no sickle cell doctor in this city. And this city is a growing city, intelligent city. Um, so many people moving in from other places, but healthcare wise, I would not depend my life on healthcare here. But other people have it way worse. So it is very difficult because some doctors, they didn't go to school for that. They go to school for hematology, which is a blood doctor. So here I was seeing a blood doctor, but he would only treat the symptoms instead of trying to give me like a pain care management um, uh, list or just to help me to live better than what I've been living. He would only treat the symptoms like, oh, well here, let's get you scheduled for blood. Um, and let's and he wouldn't even remember I had sickle cell. Every time I would go, his nurse practitioner would say, "Oh, well, you have symptoms of sickle cell." And I'm like, "I've been seeing you guys for ten freaking years. Every time I come here and you, you see me, you tell me it, it seems like I have sickle cell. Have I ever, ever been tested? That is what I'm seeing you for." So, long story short, to answer your question, Marcus, it, it it is hard because people. It just depends on where you live. If you live in a smaller community. And, or a majority white town, then nine times out of 10, you're gonna have to travel elsewhere to get the health care that you need for this disease. If you live in majority black cities, like Birmingham, Birmingham has sickle cell doctors. Nashville has sickle cell doctors, but a lot of places don't. 
But if this were a white disease, oh, we'll be talking about a different, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. Everybody would know what it is. Wow. Okay. That's, yeah. that's, that's, that's deep. That's deep. Now I'm going, now let's talk about this trait thing. Just the difference between having the disease and having the trait. Right. What does it mean to have the trait? So, okay. So my, both my parents have the trait, which means they're carriers of the disease. It typically doesn't affect you. Like you won't, you can't even tell you have it. Um, you don't ha- you don't suffer from, uh, any type of real, real ailments really. Um, but if you get married or get, ha- not even, you don't have to be married, but if you have a baby together, I think it's one out of three chances of you having a kid with sickle cell anemia. So in my case, my parents have three kids. Can't my older sister, she does not have the trait or the disease. I was born with the full-blown disease. My younger sister was born with the trait. So, yeah, so that's that one out of three. So for me, oh, were you about to say something? No, no, no. I was going, I was going to say, don't you, does you, you ever wonder, like, damn, can my, why did it happen to my other sisters? <laughs> really, Lord? Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> I'll be lying if I didn't say, like, like, all right, come on now, come on. Oh, like, yeah. why? You could, I was, a t- I can handle the trait now. You didn't have to give me, you know. Right, okay. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Okay. I, cool. I would be lying if I said otherwise. Okay, okay. So that's how it is. And and the person that has the trait necessarily doesn't feel none of the symptoms at all? No. I've read, you know, that some people with the trait have some, are symptomatic, but it's, it's extremely rare that they, have any symptoms okay. they're just carriers okay okay yeah yeah i'm curious i'm gonna have to ask my parents but what are yeah, they curious you know i bet you they would probably never test it because your parents probably run the same age as mine they probably never tested as as you know when they were born my parents were not tested um they didn't start testing until the mid 80s so okay. and that's why a lot of people with the disease back then especially uh, I'm not, I mean, I'm not a doctor or expert, but I think that's why a lot of, there's so many deaths behind the disease because back then people didn't know because they would die from like pneumonia or a stroke, that kind of stuff. Nobody really knew like, well, oh, she probably had, or he probably had, a, he had a stroke that it stemmed from this. Okay. You, yeah. you mentioned a lot of the physical things. Does it affect you emotionally and psychologically? Like, do you, I hear that depression and anxiety yeah. happens as well with having disease. Does it, does it, does it affect you emotionally and mentally uh, sometimes? Um, I think I would be lying if I said it didn't affect me mentally. Sometimes I feel like, especially if, especially if, if it's like, if I feel like I'm under attack, like back to back to back, like, okay, I was in the hospital. Like at one point, which this this I've went I've gone one year June May one year I have not been hospitalized and I have not had one year of no hospitalizations in probably five years. I've been in the hospital like three or four times a year for the past five years. So this June May one year of no um, no hospital stays for me, but. Um, I would say 90% for me, no, I'm mentally strong, but there are times like if I'm in the hospital 
yeah, I'm like, why do I have to keep dealing with this? You know, like, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do or should be doing health-wise. I'm not like a smoker. I don't drink heavily, you know. I don't do drugs. I'm trying to do the best I can. And I feel like I'm under attack. So, yeah, it ha- there are plenty of times where I felt like, where you kind of question, like, why do you, why, why me? Okay. okay. But not all the time. But I had, yes, absolutely. Now, since you have the disease, now this is the question, the juicy question I want to ask. Okay. Now, since you have the disease, did this did you keep this in mind when you was searching for a mate? Because you all you said we were just we just exp- you just explained about the traits and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, just for example, I'm gonna use myself. I, if I have the trait, um, and I know that I have the trait, just say that. I wouldn't want a woman. I don't care how I don't care how beautiful she is. I wouldn't want to get married to a woman. She has the trait, right. and it gives my kids. Risk. You're taking a risk, right? So, did that? Do you put? Did you? Was that in consideration when you uh, when you got married? So, anytime, like, if I'm in a serious relationship, it's of course that's like the number one conversation that I've had. Like, I've only been in like two real relationships, and so one of them now is my husband. But when so I use him. So Mario and I got serious. Um, that was the first serious conversation we had because I it's not fair to him, you know, and I and, and I have to be upfront, like, hey, and I was honest, like, hey, you know, I, I brought it to him like, um, I asked him, does he have any um diseases that run in his family? You know, we talked about that and I was like, Well, you know, I have sickle cell anemia, um and sometimes a, a lot comes with that. And if you are not if it's something you feel like you can't handle, you have the right to you know, exit stage left. And I asked, do you have sickle cell? Do you have a trait? Do your parents? And he didn't even know because he didn't know much about it. He was like, I'm not really sure, you know, but um, I can ask, I'll ask my mom. And and it, obviously we're married. It didn't bother him at all. He was like, hey, I'm, I'm with whatever you with. He's my number one supporter. But we knew going in, like, okay, if we um, get married, we have children, then that is a risk that we would be willing to take. And so, but before we even got married, he we went and got him tested. And he does not have the trait or the disease. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's great. And oh, that's great. Um I just asked that because a <laughs> lot of us black folks, we don't talk about what yeah. we have in this and and like exactly. and, I, yeah. and I'm glad that you was mature enough to, to have yeah. that conversation well, with him. Well, it's not fair. It wouldn't have been fair if um if I didn't tell him and then we get married. I'm like, oh, by the way, I have sickle cell anemia, and if we have a kid, our kid may may or may not be born sick, or we don't know. You know, it w- it wouldn't be fair. I wanted to give him the option if 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 he felt like this is too heavy for him, then we could be friends and he can you know, pursue other people. Okay. So, Mario, yeah. by the way, Mario's a good guy. The people that are yeah. listening, Mario's a good guy. Mario's a good guy. Um, now I'm going to ask you this, this question. Um, and I did my research and a young woman in Chicago was the first mm-hmm. black woman to be cured of the disease um, by doing a, a certain procedure. Have you thought about doing this procedure to cure your disease? Man, Marcus, look, every time 
I hear about a new person getting cured, I get excited. My father-in-law sends me stuff, my family sends like, oh, did you see this? Um, but every time I take it to Vanderbilt, they're like, nope. And here's why. Because, Please tell me why. Okay, yeah. Okay. So here's the thing. Um, if you already, if you have a good quality of life, which I am, I'm blessed. Like I said, I, I can deal with a few hospitalizations every year if I, if that, you know, um, but some people cannot work. They're disabled. They're on disability. Um, they're addicted to pain medication because you're in, when I say the pain is so severe and people think, and I'm getting off track here, but I just wanted to elaborate on this. Please people, go. The, the pain is so it is so bad. I will never wish a sickle cell crisis on anybody. It is debilitating. And um, that's how a lot of people get addicted to payments because they they got they want to they want to feel better. And um, but so a lot of people are in way worse situations they, and they they don't they may not may not have insurance, which I, that's another topic. But they treat you different based on your insurance. In the hospital, they treat you. You know what I've learned? This is really sad. I'm just going off here, but I've noticed the base depending on how I'm dressed and whether or not I'm wearing my wedding ring determines how I'm treated when I go into the emergency room. Wow. I and I, I kid you not, and it's I've, it's been too many times when I was single. When I there went, I went like nine months back in 2010. Nine months I wasn't working, so I had no insurance. In those nine months, I think I was hospitalized maybe twice. And um, I remember they didn't—they don't treat you. They like they try to hurry up and get you out because you don't have insurance. Um, I noticed if if I go in looking raggedy and like broke, busted, and disgusted, the patient care. Is not the same. If I go into the hospital now, I know I, I'm like, okay, I got something. I make sure. I if and it's which is sad because I could be feeling like crap, but I'm I'm not I'm not, I'm not going looking any kind of way because I don't I rather I want the best type of care and it's sad but it's the truth. But is the procedure? I'm gonna go back to the procedure. Oh, is sorry. The, is the procedure so? And I and all the what you said is is great. And it's needed because, you know, um, we get treated differently. But yeah, is, the, is the procedure so risky that... It they- is. That's my point. I'm sorry to cut you off, but yeah. So basically... Oh, were you done? I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. Go. Oh, oh. Give, me, give me the risky. Give me the... Give okay. Me. So because going back to if somebody... If I were sicker and like uh, can't get out of the bed, I'm just can't move, constantly in pain can't even lift my hands to eat or tie a shoe, then I will be a candidate for the um, cure, for the um, procedure that, to be cured. The risk is your body can reject, like, because you do like the bone marrow or stem cell, it can make you sicker. Mm. And then before, so you're taking a risk. So here's what my doctor told me. When I brought it to him, I brought it to him a couple of times, actually. And each time he's like, mm, mm, no, he's like, we're managing you. And um, he said, because what happens is you, you have to, you're isolated. You have, it's so many things. It's almost like getting um, like a trans, it, I mean, it is a transplant, but you have to be isolated. Your immune system is like, they, it's super duper low, which can bring on other things. 
Um, and then they do the procedure and your body could reject it and then you could die. Ugh. So it's like people who go for that, um, who want to go for that and are good candidates for it, it's literally because they have, it's like, hang on, nothing else to lose. Like I'm already, I can't, my quality of life is already at a zero. So why not? But for me, because my quality of life is not at a zero, my doctor is like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So I'm not a good candidate right now. Okay. All right. Yeah. I'll, I'll, when I was doing that research, I was like, okay, well, I know Courtney, yeah. Courtney go for that. But now you, I, now I know. Yeah, I've, I've tried. I've, every time I see somebody, you know, get a procedure where they're where they're cured, and sometimes the cure isn't. It's not even a real cure. Like it, it, it's not a hundred percent. Um, I always get excited for them, and I'm like, oh, well, this is a different procedure. Doctor Kasim, my doctor, shout out to Doctor Kasim. He's at uh, Vanderbilt, and he's awesome. But yeah, he, no, he shuts it down. He's like, no, if, if my quality of life changes then that's a different story. We'll have, that'll be a different conversation. But right now, no. Now, my next question, we got we got two more questions and then we're done. Now, sickle cell is rarely talked about. Yeah. At all. Um what do you what do you do to ensure that the black community stay abreast about this disease? What do you do personally? Since you were an yeah. advocate, I see I see you talk about it lots of times on social media. So, so it seems like you're yeah. an advocate for the uh, on, on behalf of the disease. So what what do you do to make sure everybody's aware and that let everybody know, hey, this disease is still out here? Well, I try. I, I honestly I could be doing more. I feel like I don't do enough. Um, in the last I would say within the last like five years, I've been way more vocal about it because I feel like it's not talked about enough. But we have you know people talk breast cancer awareness month in October is, you know, why it's such a big thing because it affects white people. So if sickle cell anemia affected white people, the way it affects black people, sickle cell will be right up there with all these other diseases that are killing other people. So for me, I just try to, um, I talk about it all the time. Like you said, on my social media platform, I have a YouTube channel. Um, you can look me up Courtney Williams on YouTube, C-O-U-R-T-N-I-E. But I have a YouTube channel where I, I talk about the disease and like just my life and how um, how I'm living with it, how I'm dealing with it. And I pretty much try to talk to anybody who will listen. I did a radio show back in uh, June for a local radio station actually in Florence, Alabama. And I'm supposed to do some work with them and become an ambassador with the North Alabama Sickle Cell Foundation. Um, so I'm just, I'm trying, like, I, I feel like I could be doing more. I am dedicated to the work. I just need to, I could be doing more, but I just try to use my voice in whatever platform is available to talk about it and just spread awareness because for it to be a black disease, a lot of black people are ignorant and don't know anything about it. And it's not their fault, but they're just ignorant to it. So I just try to talk about it whenever I can. Okay. Last, yeah. last question what mm-hmm. message do you want to give the black community about sickle cell and how can they get and how can we help people like you and many others in, in this quest to to make their your quality of life better 
guess my message would be is for us to just be more understanding to other people and their needs. And if you know somebody with this disease, don't judge a book by its cover. A lot of people think, because you might look good, then you physically feel fine. And that's just not true. Um, so I would just say, if somebody's telling you if they're in pain or if they're hurting, that's just in general, you know, just be respectful of how that person is feeling. Be mindful of the things that you say. Um, don't make jokes about it. Some people make jokes about it, you know, or make comments about the disease or downplay the disease and um, make it seem like, or think people are faking it when people, unless you are in a body of a person, in the body of a person with the disease, you really, nobody has a clue. There's, I don't, there's not one day I've never, since I'm to remember, I don't know as a child, like when I was three and four, but as, as an adult, I don't remember one day going pain-free. I've never experienced that. Mm. And so, and I know I'm not alone, but at the same time, I'm extremely blessed. I, I, I go to work. I, you know, I have a great relationship with my husband. He is um, my number one support system. My family is my number one support system. I have great friends, but a lot of people don't have a good support system. So I would say, if you know, if you have, because nine times out of ten, you have a family member in your in there and somewhere near you or close to you that has the disease and they might be suffering in silence because black people don't understand it and they like to downplay it but you know we'll talk about high blood pressure diabetes other stuff but we don't tend to we shy away from sickle cell i really don't know why but i would just say um do research on it and just be more understanding and and research for yourself and listen to people and if you have sickle cell anemia if you're dealing with the disease, listen to your own body, be your own patient advocate, because a lot of these doctors, these hospitals, they, there's been so many times where I, if I had not listened to my own body, I don't even know if I would be here. There's, or when I was younger, my mom was my advocate. She still try to be, she still think I'm a child sometimes, but she is like, she don't play about me. And now I don't play by myself. I don't play by myself. And so I would advise anybody dealing with anything, be your own patient advocate. Don't don't let a doctor tell you. If a doctor says, you know, oh, well, I don't think I need to do a brain scan on you, but you feel like something's going on in your brain and you need, you want to check, have them get that in writing. So if something happens, like, hey, I asked you to do this. You didn't do it. And this is what, you know, always be your own patient advocate. Take care of your body. Drink plenty of water. Don't be out in the cold. I had to learn the hard way a lot of times. I put myself in situations trying to be like everybody else, being out in the snow. Um, when it would snow here, just take care of your body. Know what you're supposed to do. You know what you're supposed to do and what you're not supposed to do. And if you don't have the disease, just be understanding and be mindful and do some research. Great. Once again, thank you, Courtney, for coming in on the show. And talking, thank you for having me. Talking about this 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 disease that affects the African American community. Um. Uh, once again, to all the people that are suffering with the disease, um, uh, this is your month, and we uh, us the people the the people that are um don't have the disease, we owe it up to you to to learn more and do uh, be more uh, be more uh, understanding like Courtney said thank yes. you and Courtney. can I say one more thing I'm so sorry this is Go ahead. the number one if I can say anything this is the number one thing black people start donating blood please 
because we're the main ones with this disease. You know what keeps me out of the hospital majority of the time? I get blood. I get two units of blood every single month. And without people donating those blood, the units of blood, I would not be able to get the blood. And you know who's the majority of people who donate blood? It ain't us. But the majority of the people who, who need the blood? Sickle cell anemia patients. So you don't have to be afraid to go get tested. And I don't know if I could say this or not, but I'm going to say it anyways. Donate to, North, to <laughs> livestock blood banks, your local blood banks. Try to avoid the national blood banks because they take your blood everywhere. But if you donate to your local blood banks, your blood stays within your community. You can also go to your local blood bank and you can say, hey, um, I'm donating. I would like to donate blood to Courtney Williams or I would like to donate blood to Jane Doe. And they will take your blood if you're eligible, process it, do whatever they need to do. And that blood will go to that person who you're donating to. It's free. Like you literally lose nothing. One unit of blood takes you maybe 20 minutes to donate one unit. And that one unit can save up to three lives. So educate yourself on that too. Because black people, y'all don't want my blood. We put the save. We don't, y'all don't want my blood. I can't donate. How do you know? Mm. Go donate. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That that was a very important uh that was a important, very important message. So that was worthy of an interruption. Uh, <laughs> so uh thank you, uh, Courtney, for the knowledge on this disease today. Thank, thank you for, for being me. an advocate on the sh- uh for the disease and speaking your mind and continue to keep up the good work. And thank it, you. And everybody knows my slogan that knowledge is power, economic freedom is salvation. But if you Ooh. put the two together, we can build a great nation. This is Marcus Jones with Rebuke Podcast, and we'll talk to you soon. Peace. Thank you, Marcus. Peace.